the easiest way is just to be right next to him and assist and just, him. Like, keep get a hand on him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Slap him back down into the mattress. <laughs> Hello, I'm Mark. I'm Justin. We're the J-Pops. And we are Attempting Parenting in Japan. Welcome to episode 53. Today we'll be talking about some daycare protocols and go over some updates. So, how's it going, Justin? Oh, it's all good over here, of course. Uh, The only Nico update that I can think of uh, recently is that the boy can throw now. Oh, yeah? That's a new skill. Um, not only will he just pick up a toy and then give it a little heave, which, you know, sometimes goes behind him or straight up in the air or a foot in front of him. Mm. That's, you know, it's kind of standard, uh, not really productive throwing. But he can also take a ball, like, you know, a, a kid's ball that's uh, mm. something similar to maybe volleyball size, but that kind of rubbery, bouncy ball. Um, he can sit on the floor and with both hands throw it to you and wow. it bounces across the floor and you catch it and then you can roll it back to him and he can catch it like both wow. hands boom That's a big, big skill upgrade yeah so it's really the first like game that we've been able to do just kind of the what the japanese would say catch board or kind mm. of a pitch and catch but just with a big kid's ball just rolling it back and forth um he can only get i would say at max like three consecutive throws off like in a in a volley mm. And right. then he starts to crawl toward you or he loses interest totally, but he can hmm. catch and throw a ball. And uh, it's cool. pretty fun. It's like yeah. it goes from just sitting on the floor with your kid, you know, holding toys in front of his face to now you're, <laughs> you know, pitching, catching, trying to, you know, grab things. Oh, wow. and... Is this a new like since daycare skill? Like, do you think he picked it up there? I think it was more about his birthday um his grandparents got him the ball like just standard you know kids ball that costs a dollar that you'd find in the drugstore or something like just that Mm. little bouncy vinyl ball and as soon as he got it it was his favorite thing because it's like big Mm. enough that he can manhandle it and it's soft enough that it doesn't hurt if he hits himself in the face with it and then if he drops it he can watch it roll around and then he can go chase it and stuff so he just got right into the ball itself and hmm. uh, he developed his skills from there. That's so, cool. Yeah, that's it's really different, though. It's um, kind of like, oh, wow, there's a whole new style of play. And this is the first style of play that I, you know, can enjoy myself. Because <laughs> you could go out at, you know, 40 years old and you could like sure. throw a baseball <laughs> to your friend. And there's something fun about it. And that's the core nugget of whatever fun you can have doing that is still there when you're rolling a ball to a one-year-old so nice. it really like ramped up my enjoyment of um you know it's it's fun to spend time with them but this is like engaging in a different way for me that's cool yeah it's the big update oh that's a good update i uh i have a few updates mm-hmm. um coda is 11 months he turned 11 months just this past week um, and he had his first real cold finally. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was pretty good though. I mean, he mostly just had like the, uh, sniffly runny nose and, uh, slightly stuck at night when he was trying to sleep. But mm-hmm. overall, like we didn't, we didn't see any fever. We didn't have any coughing issues or anything. So he was pretty good. He just kind of dealt with it. He's a little That's trooper. 
That's good. Two questions come to mind. One, do you know uh, where he got it? And then did you and your wife also get it? Uh, yeah, actually, we did. Well, Moe, as you know, has been like off and on morning sickness for the past like month or so now. And then she, mm-hmm. when we went to Seattle, she caught like a cold there. It wasn't COVID. It was actually just a cold. And so she kind of brought that back with her. And then I think the cold that Coda got, he got maybe last week when we had him playing with another kid mm. for the first time in a while. And then I think I caught that from Coda. Mm. So it was just like a, a train of colds coming through the house. Yeah. And, and now we're all better, but yeah. Did it uh, really harm him when he was trying to nurse? Because that's always been Nico's had COVID and a cold. The right. cold was really bad, actually worse than the version of COVID we all got. Um, but the biggest problem, of course, was that he just couldn't nurse. And then that really mm. wrecked his whole schedule and his whole day for several days in a row. No, it wasn't bad enough to prevent any feeding or eating. We noticed mm. like the first day, like when we were feeding him food, he's usually pretty good about like keeping his mouth closed when he chews. But like for that day or so, he was just like mouth open, chewing, <laughs> like not not taking as big a bites. <laughs> yeah. So and there was uh, some issue, but it wasn't enough to really stop him. So he could still drink from a bottle. Yeah. Yeah. We got him. I think we're down to like two bottles a day right now. And mm-hmm. uh, neither of those had any issues. It sounds terrible when he's doing it. He sounds mm-hmm. like a little pig at a trough. It's just like. <laughs> all snorting but he still just powers through the bottle no issues yeah that's good i guess uh nico was younger he was only six or seven months when he had Mm. that cold and so he was like nursing a lot Uh, yeah and uh yeah and especially to get to sleep and you know once in the night or something but he just couldn't get it done couldn't drink Mm. for more than a few seconds without needing to uh you know unlatch and breathe Mm. so that was a nightmare yeah, yeah. Thankfully, we didn't have to deal with any of that. He also he also got his vaccine, his uh, his third COVID shot last week. Wow, three shots, and that's uh, there was no effect from that. He just you know did the normal cry until we left the room, and then he was totally fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else? Um, Moe went in for uh, another checkup for the baby number two. Mm-hmm. And he or she is now at 11 weeks, and the doctor says is doing very ganky. All right. There's no word yet on leg length, though, so we'll see. (laughs) All right. That's the big question mark. Yeah. Figure out how tall that kid is. Um, Yeah. Have you guys, uh, not that you're prepared to reveal, but with the naming of the second kid, Mm. do you have, like, the remnants of the list that you came up with when you were making names for Coda, would you poach from that old list? You still like all those names or are you going to start fresh? No, I think as, as I was going through my list, like I would find reasons that I didn't like a name Mm -hmm. and then I would just delete it off the list. So if there was a name that I found a reason I didn't like, it's still going to be a reason I don't like it. So then you're basically, um, (sighs) Man, this baby's starting gonna... from scratch. <laughs> <laughs> but if you still like the names you liked and you don't like the names 
uh, you don't like, then the positive spin on that is that you've done a lot of the legwork already. The negative spin is that this kid is just getting code of scraps in terms of Actually, names. there was there were no other names we liked. Oh, really? It's just down to Coda. Wow, Coda so... was the only name we liked. <laughs> right. Uh-oh. So this kid, whoo. Yeah. It's a tough road, road to hoe with uh, it's okay. whatever this well, name's going to be. Yeah, whatever whatever the, their name, it'll be fine. Yeah. We'll come up with an equally great name that we love. Yeah. <laughs> my uh, my <laughs> wife's cousin, who, of course, is Japanese, and she was married. She's still married. Um, and her husband is Japanese, so fully Japanese family. They don't really speak mm. English. Um, and uh, they were having their first kid. And I know that they went back and forth a few times in terms of, you know, choosing mm. the name, then choosing the kanji and stroke count. And they were spending a lot of time on it. And uh, I know the husband would come up with something and then the wife would be like, ah, you know, back to the drawing board and kind of reject it. So they went back and forth and back and forth. And so then I stepped in. <laughs> And I said, uh, <laughs> I was like, I think I've got a good name for you. I think this is going to solve all your problems. You should name the kid Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> Just like to obviously be an idiot, you know, <laughs> this fully Japanese family would have a kid named Christopher. Uh, and uh, they, <laughs> but they, I realized that's sort of an American thing, like say something that is obviously so dumb, you know, right. that uh, people appreciate how dumb it is. But they were like, yeah, hmm, yeah, we'll think about it. And they took it seriously. <laughs> it's like, forget it. Forget I said anything. Yeah. But uh, I still feel stupid about that. Sometimes when I'm sarcastic, I always forget, like, if I'm talking to somebody who's not, like, a full English speaker, like, I have to preface this really fast and say I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you ever thought about just, I mean, slapping a full-on, like just western name on the kid and being like deal with it no no it sounds mean to the kid okay so because then he that. he or she's gonna have to deal with it <laughs> not <Yeah>. me <laughs> yeah i have heard the philosophy and i have a friend who's done this um in this in this area here in in ishikawa uh he named his kids just straight up uh american western names like like Christopher mm. and it's not they're not Christopher but it's that level of western name and they're right. half Japanese and his reasoning was that they're going to live in Jap they're going to live in Japan and they're going to speak Japanese most of the time so he didn't want them to just like and this sounds a little bit negative but he didn't want them to have the opportunity to just fully blend in he wanted them to always have something that's like grounding them as mm. like I've got more to me than just this one culture, which is you know kind of consuming my life, my language, my education, and all that. He wanted it to still be like notable that they've got another side to them. Interesting. I'm I'm always on the fence about that kind of stuff because I feel like you know as a as a half kid, they're mm -hmm. always going to be kind of one foot out, mm -hmm. and it's really easy I think for the culture here to see them as as half. Yeah, and having that one foot out. So I kind of think of it in a different way where it's like, wouldn't you want to give them more of a Japanese name to help them feel more a part of the society? Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. Yeah. It seems to be the type of thing where there's no hard and fast rule and there's no, yeah. um, you know, definite um, in that equation. So 
Yeah, it. but that was his line of thinking, which was interesting to me. I yeah. personally just wanted something that was easy for everyone to say. And uh, Yeah, that's kind of my that was it. go-to as well. Just yeah. make it easy. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Well, any more um, updates? Stress. Yeah. Lots of stress. Yeah. Yeah, this house is like a house of stress right now. <laughs> <laughs> is it the... Um, Baby two is on the way, so that must bring up a lot of decisions that need to be made and a lot of ducks that need to get in a row. I don't know, man. It just—I think it's like the, everything. This past month has been just February was a stressful month. Like our mm. whole trip to Seattle, finding out about number two, getting sick, everybody getting sick, mm-hmm. morning sickness, and then yeah, it's just—it's all kind of snowballed. I feel a bit relieved now like coming out of this week for some reason but going into this week even the past couple weeks it's just been we've both been like super stressed and kind of like at the point of like are we gonna break down (laughs) (laughs) good lord yeah yeah that's pretty terrible that's intense um Mm. a couple things that come to mind about it one is you said to me earlier that um you said from your vantage point, it seems like Ayumi and I are living quite a maybe not stress free, but stress light kind of a life. And uh, it's funny because I think it's just always your it's not really a grass is always greener, but it's just you uh, never know all the details of what's going on in somebody else's life. So I had the same perspective of you guys. I thought, really? They're out in Toyama, out on the farm, the serene lifestyle in their big, gorgeous house. Like, it seems like, I mean, for one thing, like if you're in Japan and you have like a big family room, like LDK, like you guys have, right. it seems like pleasant, you know, and in, uh, in regular houses, everything's cramped and stuff. And it just your whole living situation, uh, mm. maybe in my mind, makes it seem like your lives are really cool and free and breezy over there so it's surprising to me to hear that stress has entered the home oh Um, man this house is built on stress right now yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's wild it's interesting we were just talking about that that main room because you know it's uh, winter so uh, you huddle like you just like live in a section of your house and basically like if we if we're not going somewhere doing something we just stay in that main living space Mm-hmm. And we were talking about it like I think that's part of the issue. Like mm-hmm. we get stuck here, and we feel stuck here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, let's go somewhere and do something. Okay, well, let's come back. Okay, now we're back in here again, and we're just yeah. in this space. Yeah, it's nice. I have like an office space that I can go into and escape. But Moe is just kind of stuck in there most yeah. of the time. And so while I think that space seems really nice. And it is most of the time, but when you're like in winter and when you're stressed and when you're like, you have a little kid who's sick and you're sick, it's like that space just kind of closes in. Yeah. Uh, that's crazy. I've never thought about your house like that because your house is just so, you know, cool and open and um, mm. I don't know, Western everything that never occurred to me that you eventually would not be just totally loving life in that room. But, uh, <laughs> it's uh, I guess it's a perception versus reality thing. Right. But then the, uh, the second thing, this was something that happened to me this week. Um, 
on Monday, I was looking through a list of, I think it was called like the, the most uh, important photos of all time. Uh, hmm. The list was just from starting like 200 years ago with the early fo- earliest photographs ever taken and then photos that, you know, were really striking and maybe changed people's opinion of a war or something like these, you know, very significant photos through history. A lot of them were Pulitzer Prize winners. And one of them was from the 1930s and uh, not to get into the details surrounding and when the photo was taken, but basically there was a bombing that happened. And so it was just rubble. But then there was a baby sitting in the middle of the rubble and you could tell that the baby was, you know, really dirty looking with either like soot or ash on the baby, a black and white photo, Mm. the baby sitting there just screaming and there's nobody else in the field of view of that photo. It's just rubble and a screaming baby in the middle of it. And uh, they said that that photo was immediately published and seen by like millions upon millions of people. And it changed people's perceptions of this conflict and that sort of thing. Mm. So, um, when I saw that the baby in that photo looks to be exactly the same size and age as my son, Nico, you know, and then Mm. you just imagine like, like Nico's upset when, you know, I walk 10 feet away from him and he's like, Oh, where's dad. And then he just like, you know, gets upset. So then you can't imagine if everything around you has, and I mean, there's just been an explosion and buildings have collapsed and then the pain and all of that stuff. You can't imagine the um, like psychologically how bottoming out that must be for that kid. Hmm. And it made me really want to just I I was at work when I I saw that. And then uh, I was like, I want to go over and see little Nico because like (laughs) it gave I wanted to see him. But it also gave me a lot of perspective in terms of whatever my problems are and whatever Nico's problems are are just a fraction of a single percent of what could be befalling a kid, you know? Right. And of course that kid has it worse than maybe any other kid. But if you look at it worldwide, like just us being uh, employed in a first world country, double income Mm. in both of our families, then we're probably in the top, I don't know, worldwide, we're probably the top two, three, maybe 5% of wealth, which it doesn't feel (laughs) like, but in reality we are. And then there's like half of the world has food insecurity problems, which we don't have. So there's a 50-50 shot that your child's just born into not having food on the table all the time. And uh, we already lucked out on that coin toss, but then we're so, so, so much further uh, better off than than even that. So uh, when I saw that picture, it really uh, lined things up for me. And that kind of stuff wears off, you know, like a week from now, I've forgotten about it. But um occasionally you get that like perspective altering thing. And that really helped me this week in terms of managing what I view to be my problems. Hmm. So you guys are feeling extra stress from like going back to work and dealing with daycare stuff and all Um, that. I would say that um, the nature of the stress that I feel these days is that my schedule is so tightly uh, sort of dictated by what needs to happen every day now that right. I'm back to work and people with the, like kids and jobs and stuff are laughing at me because obviously that's how it is, but you've got to wake up really early and then it's about like feeding and or bathing the kid diaper changes and stuff. And then you got to be out the door to get the kid there on time so you can get to your office on time. Hmm. And then you're at the office and then you got to get home as soon as possible. And then it's about again, 
you know, feeding the kid, uh, getting the kids like, you know, brush his teeth and do all the things you need to do, spend some time with them. And then he's got to be in bed by a certain time. And mm. uh, then you've got to wake up so early that you're right to bed. So I feel like leisure time has just sort of vanished from my life. It's all about being on a uh-huh. schedule. So right. what I tried to do is, um, you know, really appreciate like, oh, yeah, I've got a, an extra day off coming up a week from now and I'm going to look forward to that or just the matter of like, Hey, it's going to be Friday soon. And then we're <laughs> going to have a couple of easy days on the weekend. So I've really tried to, you know, focus on those, like having something to look forward to in a very minor way is right. helpful. But then in the larger picture, remembering stuff like, you know, the picture of the the kid who's my kid's age, who just lost mm. absolutely everything in life and then knowing how bad it can be. And right. a combination of those two things, I think helps you, uh, or at least helps me keep slightly more positive than maybe my default setting would be. Hmm. That makes sense. You should send me that picture. Maybe it'll give me some perspective. Yeah, it's it's horrifying. It's like a compound stress, you mm-hmm. know. Like you've got the stress of the kid, and you've got the stress of like I'm already working, so I'm going back to work. But then you have the thought of, oh, we got to do the whole thing again in eight. <laughs> yeah. eight nine months <laughs> yeah i hope the picture works <laughs> <laughs> keeping your fingers crossed for that horrible picture um it is uh, i've heard people say like uh after they have a kid then when the second kid's coming or the, you know a lot of times passed and they're thinking like man if we had another kid i can't imagine going through all that again right and you're fresh off it so it's all right in your mind and all you know right it's gonna mind. be like the scheduled wake-ups in the middle of the night and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I guess the perspective-altering thing on that is, like, you know, my my grandfather, for example, was one of 12. And uh, it's like, what do you even do? Like, how does it happen? So That's crazy. Yeah. You're, you've got a lot of space in the house. You've got, um, And they know, didn't have net back then. Yeah, for sure. They were in a farmhouse somewhere. Uh, but you've got, you know, two dedicated parents, you've got money and, uh, you know, yeah. So I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's not terrible. It's just how, how it's affected my life in the course of that plan over the next couple of years is definitely changed. And I think just coming to terms with that is, is harder than, than it sounds. That's Um, not to say that we're not looking forward to number two. We are. And we, we, talked about having another one so i think it's good timing having them close in age like this and being like maybe have a closer bond Mm -hmm. as siblings so it'll be nice but it's still still gonna be tough yeah yeah absolutely um i guess um the only other thing i can think of uh is like i think you guys do a lot of good stuff i know you have your sunday is like pancake day right Mm, yeah and that kind of thing is very positive and very fun and mm. enjoyable. And I think you talked about a long time ago that you like that kind of ritual or like a board game night, pancake yeah. day, that sort of thing. And um, maybe just uh, like, it, you know, as I was trying to do with just a weekend coming up being a an important positive, whereas in mm. the old days it was just like, oh, yeah, it's the weekend, whatever. Um, <laughs> if you can uh, build that stuff up and remember how good it is and then maybe – notice that your week is filled with all these really good good things yeah maybe that could do something i don't know i'm just um 
all about that perspective altering in any way that I can, just thinking about things in a second way. And then maybe it makes me feel better about the yeah. situation. We've, we've started to realize like, we just need to like kind of get out more, plan more, plan more stuff together and separately to give each other time and then mm-hmm. kind of make sure that we're kind of supporting each other in that way. So yeah, it's all you can do. Yeah, for sure. As the Japanese would say, Gambare. Problem solved. Yeah, Shogunai. Yeah. <laughs> Ready for some segment in Lantern? Yes, let's go there forthwith. So, I don't want to heap more stress onto you. <laughs> but, uh, nice. We're going to talk about daycare. And the daycare checklist today. Uh, oh, that's great. I have, daycare, I have so many questions about this. Yeah, it's a learning curve for sure. And daycare is like, I think even in America, it's a lot of uh, a lot of boxes to check. Like literally, they'll give you forms mm. with boxes to check. Have you done these hundred things before you bring your kid to us? Right. And are you keeping up with these 20 things you have to do every single day to, you know, get your kid ready? And that's just the nature of it. And of course, it's Japan where things are a little bit more by the book and a little bit more bureaucratic and more organized, more rules. So whatever it is in the U.S., which is the reality there, I think it's a little bit more intense here. And Mm. that's what we've been getting into uh, for now almost a month. We've had our kid in in daycare for almost a month, and it's been really full time all day for about a week and a half, two weeks now. Oh, so we're getting in the swing of it. I wanted to say that first, I think we've talked about this briefly, but you have to get your kid introduced to a lot of foods um, before they go to the daycare. Daycare is going to give them snacks and lunch and everything. And at least where we go, they want our son to have tried everything that they would ever conceivably feed him there. So he's not encountering an allergen potentially. And then they keep a very, uh, they run a very tight ship in terms of their menu items and the ingredients, and they only cook with this certain list of things. But still, you're going to need dozens and dozens of things. So they have, uh, you know, for the younger age kids, they gave us a list, and I counted them up, and it's 41 foods that you have to be sure that your kids tried. You have to, you know, check the Mm. box and write the date, or at least the month, the age when they've tried that food. And I thought some of the wilder ones um, I would mention now, because it's interesting that the diet's obviously going to be different between like the U.S. and Japan, so the common mm. foods will be different. So then there's stuff that I've never eaten that they're like, be sure your kid's eating this, you know, right. before he's one. <laughs> and uh, luckily, we both have wives who are very in tune with all that naturally. Mm. Uh, but still, my wife and I had to scramble and rush to the um, to the supermarket to do some emergency buying of like five certain items to just shove in his <laughs> face. Stuffing them all in at once. Yeah, exactly. On I don't the, know which one's allergic. We'll just check yeah, them all off. In the car <laughs> on the way to his first daycare day. Um, but uh, we, um, yeah, so we got through it all. But some of the stranger ones from my perspective were uh, on the first list, and this is when he's like nine to 11 months old. Uh, mm. He needs to have eaten these 41 foods. The craziest ones to me were, of course, uh, seaweed in its wakame version, like the kind mm. of, you know, wet uh, soppy seaweed. Right. Then there are a lot of varieties of fish that are specified. It's not just like, I feel like in the U S they would just say fish, 
but yeah. it's Japan, so they give you like species names and stuff. Yeah, um, he had to have eaten cod, flatfish, and salmon. Uh, hmm. So we had to, you know, be sure we're getting all the types of fish. And then the other one, which was strange to me, maybe not strange to a lot of people, but it was ketchup. Um, he just hmm. needed ketchup in his system. And I realized that I haven't used or purchased ketchup in like 10 years or something. Oh, really? And yeah, I was in the supermarket and I was like, what does ketchup even look like? Like, I don't know if, <laughs> and obviously it's not like Japanese. It? What's that? Do you not like ketchup? I, it's just, you know, I'm really uh, acetic and I just cut things out of my life and like mm. sauces and dressings and like additives like that or whatever condiments that's gone from my life. That doesn't enter wow. into what I do. So wow. ketchup's not on my radar. Um, nice. And then I went to the supermarket and I was on the hunt. And then it's like, not only have I not purchased ketchup in like a decade, but it's like now I'm trying to navigate all the Japanese brands of ketchup Um, and not reading it perfectly so is this like is this one low sugar what's the difference between ketchups a b and c i had no idea luckily there was a heinz 57 on the shelf my friend so i purchased that bad boy and brought it home nice nice so now we have like literally a lifetime supply of ketchup because i'll never touch it again and it's just not in our rotation but we fed some of it to the boy so you guys never have like french fries around and then dip some ketchup or I ketchup on I, your eggs oh you don't eat eggs but i no i do i'll have eggs from time to time it's just um i don't know we just haven't maybe there has been ketchup in the house and i just haven't acknowledged it or <laughs> i don't pay it any mind you didn't bring it to the new house with you obviously. yeah <laughs> yeah there's a cache of ketchup at the old house um i don't know it's just not part of what i do and so i was very confused about it interesting uh, and I guess I might have encountered ketchup here and there, like maybe in a restaurant, if it was just on the table, I might have tried it. But I can't remember having eaten ketchup in a long, long time. Okay. Interesting. So that was a weird one for me. But then the list goes on because uh, they'll introduce more foods and more snacks for various ages. As the kid gets older, they eat more f- different foods at mm. the daycare. So they said between the 12 and 18 month age, here's the next list of foods. And there are 24 foods on this list. Um, to me, the most interesting ones were, uh, again, there's a list of very specific fish. Uh, hmm. There's mackerel and horse mackerel, which are two different things. Uh, are there's, they? I guess it, they were both on the list and we had to check okay. both. Hmm. So there's mackerel and horse mackerel. Then there's amberjack, which I didn't know was a thing. And tuna. Sounds like a cheese. Yeah, I thought amberjack was a cheese. Uh <laughs> So, but of course, these are those types of things where, you know, the Japanese word more than the English word, because they talk about right. it in Japan and it's on menus in Japan where it's generally not in the West. So we mm. had to get all those different fish. The other ones were vinegar, um, which I guess is going to be an ingredient. So we had to put vinegar in something. And then an interesting one to me was gelatin, because I oh. guess uh, that's when they started. Tr- a lot of Japanese foods are actually starched right up and are like yeah. gelatinous, you know, so. Yeah. We had to go buy gelatin, and Ayumi made like a uh, a grape gelatin as a dessert, and, and we fed that to him. So mm, I bet that was like another that. one. Yeah, Kids he was into gelatin. it for sure. Easy to eat, delicious. Then uh, the last list, it's nineteen months old and over, and it's a separate list, and it's eleven foods. Uh, mm. The interesting ones to me were uh, persimmon. Uh, which just coming from the U.S., if you told parents, like, give your kids some persimmon, 
they'd be like, <laughs> oh, what? And where do I find you? know, it's <laughs> yeah. not on the radar. It, it would be a non-starter. And then Lotus Root, which of course is Denkon in mm. uh, Japan, which is really good. It's delicious. I love Denkon. Mm, uh, I do but too. It's one that's off the radar for Western people, I think. So we've been working our way through all of his foods. And uh, did they give you lists like that for the daycare? Mm. Yeah, we have the same list. And are you uh, pretty much through it or do you have a lot of blank spots? Uh, I am not sure. I think Moe was checking off and she's maybe halfway done. Mm -hmm. Like, I know he's gone through most of it. She just hasn't like made sure that it was included in the ingredient list on like one of the packets he's had or something. So Mm. she's just verifying. But I'm pretty sure he's like 90% because Moe's been really good about getting him like a lot of variety. Yeah, that's good. Um, there are so many things that are pretty common as well, like, you know, your basic carrots and they want yeah. them to have some milk, like not breast milk, but regular milk and a lot of very common foods. So I think when mm. we got the list, we were, you know, probably 60% done or more just with mm. what he had eaten. But it's those weird ones that you, I mean, I went to the supermarket one day specifically with just five things that were on his list um, hmm. that we needed to get on a timeline because he was going to start the next week, you know? So right. there's a little crunch there at the end to get all the foods in. Gotcha. So uh, that's just to get in the door really. But when you get to the daycare, I'm sure they all have kind of different uh, protocols and like the ways that they handle things. But mm-hmm. at our daycare, I'll give you the breakdown. There's just like supplies that need to be on hand for the kid all the time. So you've got to have these, not only do you need to bring these things there, but you have to replenish these supplies because kids just, you know, things get dirty or get used or whatever. So you have to be sure that these things are always in rotation. Mm. Um, the basic daycare supplies are three changes of clothes, and that's going to be like a top and a bottom, and then like an underwearish kind of like a onesie, which is how we dress them anyway. Mm. Um, and uh, it doesn't have to be that strict if you had like some type of, you know, young babies will have a big heavy onesie as their outerwear. So that would be fine too, uh, up to a certain age. But You're generally they... Three of those or like one outfit with... Yeah, three of each of the full outfit. Damn. So you've got a... That also takes three full outfits out of rotation at your house. So if you have a tight clothing rotation, right. you're going to have to expand it a little bit because three of three full outfits are just gone from your life. Crazy. Um, then uh, there are, there's going to be snacks. Uh, the way it goes at our daycare is that there's like a morning snack, then there's a full lunch, then there's an afternoon snack. And what the daycare wants is a separate bib for each snack, because I guess they don't want to be washing everybody's bib. Or if the kid has, you know, chaos during the morning snack and his bibs totally filthy and saturated, maybe it can't even get clean and dry by the lunchtime, you know, so they need like three separate clean bibs and they want three separate clean cloths uh, just to wipe the kid's face. Can these be disposable? um, Not that I know of. Um, At least the situation where we are is they, um, after each meal or snack, they take the cloth, they soak it and rinse it, and then they wrap it up in the bib and tie it off and then put that in a little bag, like an Aco bag that you also provide. So Mm. um, then 
Uh, I'll get into this. Great in the summer. Yeah, yeah, in the summer this will be ripe. Leave it in the car overnight or something. <laughs> um, so you've got that on a cycle all the time, but they need every day three cloths and three bibs. Then there's the whole diaper situation. They always want five diapers on hand, and every day the kid's going to use a handful of diapers. So you got to mm. replenish that constantly. Then there's the little changing sheet, you know, that you lay down to put the kid on to change the diaper. Uh, and then there are, uh, plastic bags, which are common, like in the kitchen, you know, like, um, you probably have them right now, just not a Ziploc bag, but just a basic tiny plastic bag, yeah. I guess, to wrap up diapers. Um, they want, uh, baby wipes, of course, that you have to supply. Uh, they want a large towel, like a hand towel size, which I'm not sure what they use that for. We brought hmm. one a long time ago and it's never been touched. But then they also want a large towel, like a, a full size bath towel. And again, I'm not exactly sure what that's for. Maybe it goes down on their uh, little futon when they you know, take a nap. Hmm. Oh, and that, you know, something I didn't mention on my or I, did, I forgot to write down on my list here was uh, the futon itself. You have to buy that like nap right. futon. And you need a bag that can hold the the nap futon, but that stays there. So it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. I, I haven't thought gotcha. about that in a while. So then with all of this stuff, oh, one more thing too is um, they want a vest for each kid, like a little fleecy vest just for, you know, in case the kid gets cold and it's Japan, mm. things are cold in the winter. Yeah. So they always want yeah. a vest on hand. Makes sense. So with all this stuff, that means you've got, to keep on top of it every day. And there's like always, it's not about just like taking your kid to daycare and, you know, slowing down to five miles an hour and making them do a tuck and roll and like, see ya. Like you've <laughs> got to go in and then do a lot of things to get the kid prepared right. for the day. So when we, uh, actually I take them with me when I go to work, the daycare's on our campus. So I drop them off. I take Nico in and his bag, his bag's full of all of his stuff. So I, I walk in, I scan a card to check him in. Mm. Then I take off his jacket, take off his shoes, take off his socks. They don't want the kids wearing socks because it's slippery. <laughs> so uh, then I put away his socks and shoes and everything. Uh, I drop Nico off with a staff member at that point, hand him off. Then I get his bag and the bibs and cloths for all the meals go into separate baskets so that uh, it's kind of organized for them when the time comes. So I put his morning snack bib in the proper basket, his lunch bib in the proper basket, his afternoon snack bib in the proper basket, and then one cloth in a, a different basket, but for each of those meal times. Then, uh, oh yeah, one other piece of advice is everything you take to a school in Japan has to be labeled for that kid. You don't want to like, right. mix up everybody's cloths and bibs and stuff. So one way to do it is just take a black magic marker and write their name on everything, mm. uh, which feels a little bad because you're like ruining that thing. You know, it's like, well, yeah. I can never give this to anybody or use it for anything else. It's got his name all over it now. But then the other way is they sell little cloth stickers um, mm -hmm. that are designed to even be washed. And you can write the kid's name on the cloth sticker and affix it to whatever their clothing item is or bib or whatever. But I can tell you from experience that when you do laundry, you'll find like 10 of them in the bottom of the washing machine. Oh, yeah. And then it's like you'd spend all this time labeling, which my wife labeled and her mom labeled everything. And then it's just gone after one use. Hmm. And then you have to check everything to see, oh, is the sticker still on or not on? Right. And then you realize, okay, magic marker time. We just got to write his name on everything. So, so that wasn't the iron on type? 
Um, no, these were like adhesive, and yeah, they may do iron-ons, which um, we didn't well, that's try. Just false advertising, right? There. It, yeah, yeah, it's lightly adhesive. That's terrible. Yeah, so I would advise everybody just bite the bullet and write your kid's name in mm. indelible ink on everything think, he's going to be using. I think Moe was talking about like sewing stuff on, like mm-hmm. getting little patches and sewing them on. I don't know yeah. that we'll have the time to do the, all that, so we yeah. may go the iron-on route. Yeah, well, either way would be fine. Um, the thing is that, think about if you're using like three cloths a day, three bibs a day, all these clothes and everything, right. um, you're, the the sheer volume of them that you'll need is mm. pretty massive. So you'll probably have to have like 12, 15 cloths in rotation at any given time, and mm. between all the clothes and individual socks and everything... You're probably talking about like, you know, I don't know, 50 to 100 little labels you'll have to eventually have on. Plus, the kid grows out of everything, so you have to replenish it all the time. Crazy. Um, So I would say path of least resistance, like whatever's easiest. And to me, that's just writing it on there. If there's a tag, write it on the tag. If not, just write it across the chest of his shirt. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Write it on him. (laughs) (laughs) Better yet, train your baby to keep track of his stuff. Stop being irresponsible with it. What's your crap, dude? Yeah. So I'm still in mid-morning drop-off mode here. Then I I go from the baskets and I walk over to the diaper changing area. I have to bring the diaper count up to five diapers. And I have to put in a new changing sheet because they change those daily. Or they exchange them daily. Hmm. Then I drop his bag and his jacket in his little area of the shelf that's labeled for him. And then I am free to leave. Hmm. So I've got to kind of, you know, drop a lot of stuff off, organize a lot of stuff and check. Maybe he's out of like baby wipes, for example, which is not a daily thing, but at any given time, he might just be out of them. So I have to keep an eye on a few different things. I have a uh, kind of a terrible question. Yeah. But I'm sure it's one that crosses people's minds. What happens if you just don't do it? Uh, Well, at our daycare, there's the daily form, you know, that you fill out in the morning. Right. And uh, you write like, oh, the kid, you know, didn't finish breakfast or he cried a lot last night or whatever you want to write. Uh, then they, in kind, reply in the afternoon. And if anything is lacking, then they make a note of it in that form. And you're meant to be checking the form every single day. So they tell you immediately. And then if uh, you're also going there to drop the kid off and pick the kid up, so they'll tell you again, like, hey, you need to bring this. And I'm not sure what would occur. I guess eventually your kid would just be kicked out of the daycare. Yeah, that's my question. Like, stuff. Do they kick you out? Because you're paying for it. Yeah, I and suppose. I have um, to pay for it and work. Now. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I guess it's one of those questions, like if you went really outside the box, like what if you just went to a restaurant at opening and then you ordered a breakfast and then you just sat there all day long until closing, like... Eventually, they would probably call the police, you know, if you did it every day. Like, mm. there are limits to people's tolerance of that sort of thing. And um, eventually, they'll just cut ties with you. You'll be done. Okay, I see. Yeah. So so I there's think... no, like, strict, like, you have to do this. You're going to get charged. You're going to have to, like, get kicked out or something. It could just be, like, a personal level of, like, this guy's being a douche. He's not doing the <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah, (laughs) I imagine that's how 
it's dealt with. Um, it's one of those Japan things, though. It's like it's very hard to find somebody not following the rules. So I don't know if right. it's ever been put to the test, really. But um, I'm sure there's a foreigner out there who's <laughs> or rather some, not done it. <laughs> yeah, must be some dirty foreigner out there. Um, yeah, I, I can't imagine. But eventually, I think, you know, because they're selective as well. You have to apply to get into daycares and there has to be space. Um, mm. It's a common issue in Japan. I mean, especially in urban areas, is that you're Not fighting for daycares. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're lucky to have Coda, so you could probably get by with whatever. You could just bring him naked in the morning, they're and then paying yeah. people to move here with kids. <laughs> yeah, very true. Um, but uh, I would say, yeah, you'll hear about it constantly. Okay, and okay. Um, but, but if you don't understand times, it, then that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's the uh, play the card, play the foreigner card. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would say uh, there have been a few times when we just forgot something because there's quite a list of things to always be on top of every day. Mm. So earlier yeah, this week, like. I showed up. Yeah, we had no cloths at all. And you're supposed Whoop. to bring three cloths labeled, put them in the right basket. That's the protocol. And uh, mm. I didn't have any cloths in the bag. So I just went back to the staff and I was like, oh, f- totally forgot all the cloths. And she was like, that's fine. Don't worry about it. So that day mm. they probably just used tissues, which also you have to bring a box of tissues. So maybe that's what that's for. Um, just in reserve. Yeah. Mm. So they have ways to solve all the problems, <clears throat> but they want you to be dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Makes sense. Uh, I can also quickly go through. Uh, the pickup, when you pick up your kid, it's easy because they'll have him ready at the time he's going to be picked up. He's got his jacket on, his socks on, and they hand you the kid's bag along with the kid with all of the stuff in it that he's gone through for that day. Gotcha. So pickup is is a lot simpler. But then uh, you get home and the bag will contain so much stuff for you to do because you'll have all your three bibs, your three right. cloths any clothing that was changed. This was a little bit of an issue we had at the beginning with the the daycare was every day we'd drop him off. And then when we picked him up, he was wearing a totally different outfit. And we were like, this, we don't change his clothes this much. Like we don't do a midday clothing change. Like what's going on? So I think that the daycare uh, goes for like, you know, they're covering their bases as much as they can. They don't want to make some parent angry who might be angry if the kid shows up with like a big, like dried food stain on his shirt or something. Right. But if, um, if it's not egregious, we're fine with that sort of thing. Like, Oh yeah, he's got, Oh, I found a piece mm. of rice on his shirt. Who cares? It's no problem at all. Yeah. Um, which it's not ever even that bad. So I think they go above and beyond by changing his clothes, but that means more laundry for you. Right. So, so maybe make a point and say something like, don't change it unless you got to, yo. Yeah, exactly. So we, uh, my wife told them that they said like, you know, we're not too worried if he just wants to wear the same clothes all day, no big deal. And then they did, uh, they changed their course on it. And now it's like every other day, maybe they'll change one item of clothing. Just if something, it's like a lot of water spilled on them or something. Mm, That's good. So that cut down our laundry a little bit and that was nice. But you can you can work with them a little bit. Uh, also, the bag that you bring home, it's going to be his changing sheet uh, that goes under his diaper, you know, when, when you're changing. Yeah. Him. 
So that means that every day you come back with three bibs, three cloths, uh, clothing and a changing sheet and all that's got to be washed. And then you've mm. got to replenish it all the next day. Uh, mm. Possibly they'll also sneak some documents into the bag if there's like an upcoming whatever you have to sign off oh, for. Sneaky, 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 sneaky. So do they ha- do they send the diapers back with you? Uh, no, they uh, they dispose. Oh, they throw them away. Yeah, so all it's that's real. Taken care of. I've been hearing some mixed stuff. Like some places will send the used diapers back with the parents. That's wild. It's crazy to me. And then some will throw them away. I think Japan was just. I read somewhere that they're thinking about passing a law that says like daycares, like we'll just take care of them or wow. some regulation. Yeah. I don't want dirty diapers handed to me. hundred <laughs> percent. It's a very odd custom that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's all the stuff you'll have to keep on top of. And it is like so much to wrap your head around. Oh, and you know, I should also mention that's just the daily stuff, but then like mm. the vest, for example, obviously you don't want to wash it every day, but you don't want to leave the same vest there for months. So the policy at our daycare is that you should change his vest once a week. So then it's like, okay, Monday morning, you know, bring a new vest for the week. Then mm. stuff will run out like the plastic bags, the baby wipes, and uh, you just have to keep an eye on those sorts of things. And always bring a bit of extra in case it runs out, and then you can just immediately put it back in. So mm. it's a lot to keep track of, but I feel like after doing it for two weeks now, I just walk in and I'm on autopilot. I just check the right baskets, check the right diaper right. area, put his stuff away, and then I can get out. So the whole hmm. drop-off takes like 10 minutes, but it's a pretty involved 10 minutes and you're doing stuff the whole time. Hmm. Uh, but now it's within two weeks, it's kind of become second nature to me. So that's all I got on uh, on daycare and the, the list of stuff to do. Any Any questions, anything you want to prod further, or should we continue? Uh, no, I think let's carry on. We're running low on time, and I think I asked a bunch of them already. Okay, cool. Let's McQuiffy away. McQuiffy is going to be a small quiz for you. Holy goodness. All right. Yeah, going back to our earlier topic of stress, I thought I'd ask you some questions to gauge gauge how things are for Mm. you right now Mm. so are you ready yes sir okay these are just simple yes and no so you don't have to like overthink them and come up with like elaborate answers okay are you maxed out as a parent i'd say no you got more room yeah i'd think so yeah okay um, especially right now it's between semesters so like work Ah, is not too stressful that's true. And uh, yeah, and we've got a lot of grandparent help, so things could be a lot worse. Hmm. Okay. Are you having trouble falling asleep or staying asleep because you're worried about your kid? Uh, not because I'm worried, but more because he's like slapping me in the face. <laughs> so. All right, you guys not... are still co-sleeping, right? Yeah, he's. Uh... Yeah, it, it's just the easiest way because he still wakes up like four or five times a night. He's just ridiculous oh, really? with that. Yeah. So, oh, wow. I, I don't know. He's like tosses and turns and wakes himself up. And he wakes up for just half a second and he immediately sits up. And <laughs> it's like, lay down again. And the easiest way is just to be right next to him and assist and him like, 
Keep your hand on him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Slap him back down into the mattress. Uh, that's how it goes. But yeah, he takes a lot of care in the night. So that means mm. he's therefore kicking you and I'll wake up. I'll often have like six inches of bed. I mean, literally like six inches of bed to be sleeping on because he's totally <laughs> perpendicular. Nice. Well, yeah. at least you're not stressed by it. Yeah. All right. Is your fuse much shorter than it usually is? specifically with your key mm, i i'm gonna say no just because of the word much mm. I, I don't think there's a big difference i mean obviously you've got you're just cares. always on the edge there just yeah. ready to... <laughs> yeah, it, it couldn't get shorter <laughs> could not get shorter i'd be committed um it, uh, no it's just that uh obviously you're dealing with more stresses you've got more responsibilities and so you're probably not going to be as carefree as you once were. But mm. I wouldn't say it's like a marked difference in my life. Maybe just a slight difference. Okay, that's good. Uh, this is kind of worded weird, but do you long for adult company? <laughs> <laughs> I would say uh, like no. Like friend time and yeah. stuff. I'd say no, but I might be exceptional in that I never, ever have. <laughs> so I remember uh, one time somebody uh, mentioned to me that they were feeling lonely. And I was like, is that a feeling? Can you be lonely? Like, what, is just, that? <laughs> what is that like? I've only ever wanted to be away. You're like, and, I'm, uh, I'm never alone. There's six of me in here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's not something that registers with me, no. But I Not guess yet. I do. Yeah, I I value it more now than I used to. Mm. Uh, so I think. Do you I, look forward to it more then? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, are you drinking more alcohol to cope with your children's behavior? And if you mm. are, you should check out some tips for sobriety. Oh, I, <laughs> I didn't need to read that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's a wild one. Um, no, I probably drink less just because there are fewer hours in the day and <laughs> like you can't go to a bar or something because you've got stuff to do. So, um, right. yeah, I probably get in like a beer a week or something. Uh, yeah. That's oh, damn. Yeah. And uh, last one. Do you find yourself worrying that you aren't available enough for your children and you aren't making them happy? Mm, I would say yes on this one. Um, mm. Just because uh, in our case specifically, Nico is like, uh, he gets focused on things and he also, he's just not like a smiley, giggly by nature kid. Mm. And so then sometimes I wonder like, am I just not doing the fun stuff that makes a kid, you know, giggly and, and have a good time? But right. uh Nico, he's like got a lot of stranger anxiety, so he feels a little reserved around people. He also, um, he can get pretty focused on a toy, but then when he loses interest in the toy, he gets needy. So there's not mm. really like an intrinsically happy part of his day where it's just like sitting alone and giggling and being silly. Right. So I feel a little bit of pressure to um, supply that for him and do fun, giggly stuff. And then I always feel like I should be doing more of that. So yeah. I'd say yes, that I do worry about that. Hmm. Then, according to this, you are a moderately stressed out parent. Hmm. That's good. That's probably yeah. the best you can hope for. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> I definitely had more yeses on this than you did. Oh, yeah. 
Did you get yeah. like a clinically stressed out parent or something? What was your... <laughs> Basically. <laughs> yeah. It just seek help. <laughs> seek help. <laughs> and then your computer shut itself down. <laughs> That's right. I can't handle this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would say though, one other thing, just another perspective, like shifting thing maybe is that I think that stress is undervalued in especially Western society. Um, oh yeah. You need <clears throat> that's a different kind of stress though. It is, but if you don't have anxiety, then you don't have motivation in many ways. You know? You need anxieties to realize, mm. man, I should be doing this. Okay, I'm gonna go do it. And then anxieties can lead you into action. Whereas if you're just super chill, then I don't think you're gonna act as as often or as responsibly. So sometimes uh, yeah. I think that people need to acknowledge that um, whatever negative things you're feeling are actually part of a bigger solution to what right. you're dealing with. And then you can appreciate those negatives as like, well, I felt that and that got me here and that's good. Rather than mm. just trying to erase those negatives from your life from the get go. Yeah, <clears throat> I, w I would agree that it can be good. It's hard if you have anxiety issues, though. Or yeah. depression. It's hard to view those from that perspective. Because yeah. if you do deal with that, like I have, I have a bit of anxiety issue, and in those cases where it starts like boiling up really bad, mm -hmm. it's more of an inactivity that results from the anxiety. You're like yeah. so anxious. Like, I'm gonna do anything except this because yeah. I don't want to deal with this. Yeah, and so it can be hard to overcome that. Absolutely. It can uh, present a, a big impediment in that way. Yeah. Um, I just remember there was some actor or musician who once said that they really suffer from stage fright. And then at a certain point, they realized the stage fright is what's getting me to get so hyped up that I'm putting on a good show for people. Like if I mm. were just fully chill and didn't worry about it, I would go out with a too relaxed of an attitude and I wouldn't feel the need to impress anyone but mm. it's the stage fright that's motivating me. And so makes sense. I, I just think like anxiety in a similar way often, I mean, the word anxiety is so charged. It's just a negatively charged word and it never right. gets any positive reps out in the public discourse, but I'm a big uh, anxiety supporter unless of course, like anything, it goes too far and inhibits you. But right. I think there's a certain amount of anxiety and stress that you can just be glad that you're present of mind enough to be experiencing. I think it depends if you have like maybe access to get out of your situation a little so you can yeah. kind of see that from a different perspective easier. Yeah. Like if you're just sitting in it the whole time, then it's really hard. Like I was saying before about just staying in the room. Yeah. Like if you just stay in that room and never get a change of perspective, then that anxiety is never going to change. Yeah, for sure. So, yes, good. We're both stressed, but dealing with it well yeah. i think yes good mcquiffy keep it uh keep it healthy and in a positive trajectory right so chapati chapati time uh the word today is chibiko and chibiko do you know chibiko? It's got that little suit, mm. that little hesitation before the ko at the end. Chibiko. I 
I do know the word chibi, but only from a board game. Oh yeah, what's the board game? It's Takenoko. Oh okay, and is it like is for bam- like baby bamboo shoots? Like you play as a panda and you go around eating bamboo shoots, and then chibi is the expansion to that, and it brings in a baby panda to help the big panda eat the bamboo shoots. <laughs> That's perfect. As I'm, as I'm explaining this board game, it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> it really does. But it's actually really fun. <laughs> uh, Chibi's the perfect word because I thought not only, you know, the baby panda, once you explain that, it's a good, you know, chibi or chibi cult, <laughs> but the bamboo shoot itself, that little sprout kind of gives mm. me a, a chibi vibe. Nice. Um, but this is one of those interesting Japanese words. Uh, chibiko is often used for children. And I was trying to mm. narrow down the age range. And then, like, you'll see, like, tickets for sale somewhere. And it's called, like, the chibiko ticket or something. Mm. And then if you look at the ages, it, some places it said, like, two to four. Uh, other places I saw chibiko tickets or chibiko events that went from, like, ages four to seven. Um, and then uh, I worked at a place that had kids classes and the Chibiko class was between zero and two. So I think it's kind of a wide variety hmm. of, but it means basically small child. And uh, mm. my sense of it had always been sort of toddler, but uh, apparently there are like Chibiko like tickets and stuff that go up to a bit older than that. Um, interesting. So the interesting thing to me though, is that that place that I worked, uh, they told us always say Chibiko. And never say chibi, never abbreviate it to chibi around like the parents or the kids or whatever. Oh, really? Because the word chibi can be taken uh, somewhat insultingly. And it's kind of like the best I can figure is it's the equivalent of calling someone like stubby or tiny or something. And if it's good natured with good rapport, then it's fine. But it could also be insulting like that you're just not big Hmm. enough. Um, so to keep it on the up and up, Chibiko is the more like, okay, this just means kids, uh, but then Chibi is a little bit, uh, could be on the dangerous side. And, uh, to go a little deeper, there's, um, uh, Chibiru. Chibiru is a verb from the old days and it actually means like to wear something away to get it smaller and smaller. So Mm. then you can have something that's, uh, Chibimono and a Chibimono is like a smallish thing that's been worn down. So like a pencil eraser, or a, a pencil itself, if you've sharpened it so it's only like an inch long, then hmm. that's like a worn away tiny thing. And so hmm. you can kind of get that sense of that it's, um, you know, something bad. It's like not quite up to snuff or it's not what it should be. Gotcha. Um, but also it means like a little kid and it's on that borderline, especially just the abbreviation chibi of could be insulting in some context. Hmm. But um, anyway, chibi cult, you'll see it to mean little toddler or youngish kids. My board game makes more sense now. Yeah, that little panda. Total chibi. <laughs> got any jokes today? I've got one simple joke. Oh, I got two. Okay. okay. Fire away, sir. What did the tin man say when he got run over by a steamroller? Mm, no idea. Curses. Foil again. <laughs> Tin foil. Tin foil. Man, he got <laughs> flattened right out. It's a steamroller. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me get mine here. Let me jump in. Um, one liner. 
Dogs can't operate an MRI machine, but cats can. Oh, nice. <laughs> I don't know if that's even a joke. Just words that sound similar. That's good. I like it. What did the bald man exclaim when he received a comb for a present? Mm, some real gift of the magi stuff going on here. Uh, I don't know. What did he say? He said, thanks. I'll never part with it. <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> stuff. Uh, that's great. That's great. Well, that's all we got then. Thank you Thank for you. listening. Oh, damn it. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay you take it okay thank you for listening we hope this week's episode was informative and interesting if you have any questions or comments please reach out to us either on twitter at jpops podcast or by email at info at jpops.com talk to you next time chibi time